He wore the same brown cords Elizabeth could have sworn he had been wearing since she was a child. A tweed cap sat firmly on his head. A blackthorn cane in his right hand kept him steady and silver-grey stubble decorated his face and chin. His eyebrows were grey and wild and when he frowned they seemed to cover his grey eyes completely. His nose commanded his face with large nostrils. Deep wrinkles cracked his face. His hands were as big as shovels, shoulders as wide as the gap of Dunlow. He dwarfed the bungalow that stood behind him. Elizabeth pulled the car up and as soon as the engine was off she jumped out of the car. She had a plan. As soon as Luke climbed out of the car, she shut the car door and locked it quickly before he had a chance to hold the seat forward and make way for Ivan. Luke's face crumpled as he looked from Elizabeth back to the car. The gate outside the bungalow creaked. Elizabeth's stomach churned. Morning, a deep voice boomed. It wasn't a greeting, it was a statement. Luke's lower lip trembled and he pressed his face and hands up against the glass of the back seat of the car. Elizabeth hoped he wouldn't throw a tantrum now. Aren't you going to say good morning to your granddad, Luke? Elizabeth asked sternly. Hi, granddad. Luke's voice wobbled. His face remained pressed against the glass. Elizabeth contemplated opening the car door for him, just to avoid a scene, but thought better of it. Where's the other one? Brendan's voice boomed. The other what? She took Luke's hand and tried to turn him away from the car. His blue eyes looked pleadingly into hers. Her heart sank. He knew better than to cause a scene. The young lad who knew about them foreign veg. Ivan, Luke said sadly, his blue eyes welling up. Elizabeth jumped in. Ivan couldn't come today, isn't that right, Luke? Maybe another day, she said quickly, and before it could be discussed any further. Right, I better go to work or I'll be late. Luke, have a good day with your granddad, okay? Luke looked at her uncertainly and nodded. Elizabeth hated herself, but she knew she was right in controlling this ludicrous behaviour. The town was stirring as Elizabeth drove over the greystone bridge that served as the entrance to the village. Two huge coaches full of tourists were currently trying to inch past each other on the narrow street. Inside, Elizabeth could see faces pressed up against the windows, ooing and aahing, smiling and pointing, cameras being held up to the glass to snap the storybook village on film. The coach driver facing Elizabeth licked his lips in concentration and she could see the sweat glistening on his brow as he slowly manoeuvred the oversized vehicle along the narrow road originally designed for horses and carts. The sides of the coaches were so close they were almost touching. Beside him, the tour guide with microphone in hand did his best to entertain his 100 strong audience so early in the morning. Elizabeth lifted the handbrake and sighed loudly. This wasn't a rare occurrence in the town, and she knew it could take a while. She doubted the coaches would stop. They rarely did, unless it was for a toilet break. Traffic always seemed to be moving through Ballinagria, but never stopping. She didn't blame them. It was a great place to help you get to where you were going, but not one for sticking around in. Traffic would slow down and take a good look all right, but then they would put the foot down and accelerate off out the other end. It's not that Balinacria wasn't beautiful, it was. 
Its proudest moment was winning the Tidy Town competition for the third year running, and as you entered the village over the bridge, a display of bright blooming flowers spelled out your welcome. The flower display continued through the town. Window boxes adorned the shop fronts. Hanging baskets hung from patent black lampposts. Trees grew tall in the main street. Each building was painted a different refreshing colour, and the main street, the only street, was a rainbow of mint greens, salmon pinks, lilacs, lemons and blues. The pavements were litter-free and gleaming, and as soon as you averted your gaze above the grey slate roofs, you found yourself surrounded by majestic green mountains. It was as though Balianacria was cocooned, safely nestled in the bosom of Mother Nature. Cosy or suffocating. Elizabeth's office was located beside a green post office and a yellow supermarket. Her building was a pale blue and sat above Mrs Bracken's curtain fabric and upholstery shop. The shop had previously been a hardware shop run by Mr Bracken, but when he had died ten years ago, Gwen Bracken had decided to turn it into her own store. The coaches slowly moved past each other inch by inch and Elizabeth sighed loudly. Finally, they were successful in their passing and Elizabeth looked on, unamused, as the tour guide jumped from his seat in excitement, microphone in hand, succeeding in turning what was essentially a boring halt into an eventful bus journey in Ireland's country roads. Elizabeth drove on, looked in her rear-view mirror to see the celebrating coach excitement die down as the bus that had faced her confronted yet another on the small bridge that led out of the town. Arms slowly dropped as they settled down for another lengthy struggle to get out of the town. The town had a tendency to trap people this way. It was almost as if it did it purposely. It welcomed you into its heart with open arms and showed you all it had to offer with its gleaming, multicoloured, florally decorated shop fronts. It was like being a child in a sweet shop shown the shelves and shelves of luminous, sugar-coated, mouth-watering delights. And then while you stood there, looking around with wide eyes and a racing pulse, the lids were put back on the jars and sealed tightly. Once the beauty of Balyunakriya was realised, so was the fact that it had nothing else to offer. But something about the town kept dragging her back, and she had spent years trying to fight it. She had successfully moved to New York at one time, She had followed her boyfriend and the opportunity to design a nightclub. She had loved it there, loved that no one knew her name, her face or her family history. She could buy a coffee, a thousand different types of coffee, and not receive a look of sympathy for whatever recent family drama had occurred. Nobody knew that her mother had left her when she was a child, that her sister was wildly out of control, and that her father barely spoke to her. She had loved being in love there. In New York, she could be whomever she wanted to be. In Balyanakriya, she couldn't hide from who she was. She realised she'd been humming to herself this entire time, a silly song that Luke was trying to convince her that Ivan had made up. Luke called it the humming song and it was annoyingly catchy, chirpy and repetitive. She stopped herself singing and spun her car into the empty space along the road. She pushed back the driver's seat and reached in to grab her briefcase from the back seat of the car. First things first. Coffee. 
Ballina Crea had yet to be educated in the wonders of Starbucks. In fact, it was only last month, Joe's had finally allowed Elizabeth to take away her coffee, but the owner was growing increasingly tired of having to ask for his mugs back. Sometimes Elizabeth thought that the entire town needed an injection of caffeine. Some winter days in particular, the village seemed to be sleepwalking. But summer days like today were busy, with people passing through. She entered the purple-painted Joe's. Ah, there she is, the very woman herself, boomed the sing-song voice of Joe. No doubt spitting feathers for her coffee. Morning, Joe. Bit behind time this morning, aren't we? Thought maybe you had had a bout of the summer flu. Seems like everybody's got it this week. He tried to lower his voice, but only succeeded in lowering his head and raising his voice. Sure didn't Sandy O'Flynn come down with it right after disappearing the other night from the pub with PJ Flanagan, who had it the other week? She's been in bed all weekend, he snorted. Walking her home, me arse. I've never heard such nonsense before in me life. Irritation rose within Elizabeth. She didn't care for tittle-tattle about people she didn't know, especially since, as she knew, for so many years her own family had been the subject of all the gossip. A coffee, please, Joe, Elizabeth said crisply, ignoring his ramblings. To take away, uh, cream, not milk. He moved slowly toward the kettle. To Elizabeth's utter annoyance, they only sold one kind of coffee, and that was the instant kind. Elizabeth missed the variety of flavours that she used to get in the cities she travelled on business. She missed the smooth, sweet-tasting French vanilla in a Paris café the creamy, full-bodied flavour of hazelnut cream in a bustling cafe in New York, the rich, velvety masterpiece of the macadamia nut in Milan, and her favourite, the cocoa mocha nut, the mixture of chocolate and coconut that transported her from a Central Park bench to a sunbed in the Caribbean. Here, in Ballina Cria, Joe filled the kettle with water and flicked the switch. A cafe with one measly kettle, and he hadn't even boiled the water. Elizabeth rolled her eyes.